Hi, everyone. This is Anthony Diaz with the Pop Health Show. And this show is for anyone that has a strong passion for making people healthier in this world. Really enthused and excited to have Caroline Coates on the show today. So Caroline is the Vice President uh, of Bold Goal and Population Health Strategy at Humana. Um, but anyway, she's doing some really interesting things in health. She has been for a while. I'm not going to steal her thunder. Caroline, welcome to the show. Thank you, Anthony. Pleasure to be here. Excited yeah, to talk about this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, know you're working on some interesting things in health and have so much, you know, knowledge in this space. But tell, tell me a little bit where it all started. I'd love to hear a little bit about your origin story. Uh, yeah, of course. Um, I, I guess going way back, always have had a passion for healthcare. Didn't know what that meant, right? And um, like many of us, all that we're really exposed to is the clinical part of health. So followed that, majored in biology, studied a bunch of science. Um, and then I got exposed to uh, some different physicians uh, working in clinical environments and quickly saw there's a lot more to our health than our clinical diagnoses and led me to go back to school where I got a master's um, from the School of Public Health at University of Michigan and learned uh, how much deeper our healthcare really goes and uh, put me on a path of doing various roles within both payer and provider organizations. So seeing the healthcare industry from both the actual delivery, um, both hospital and physician perspective and from the payer perspective and as many know, I think there's convergence today in both of those. So um, seeing it from multiple, you know, different angles more operationally. And um, a lot of it was focused around network design and working directly with physicians and hospitals, again, kind of more clinically oriented um, from a business perspective. And kind of then as the industry went from volume to value, so did my career, and, and uh, went from network design and management to leading more value-based payment strategies and with that evolution, uh, working more directly with some provider groups and seeing the um, positive impact that a successful value-based model can have on a practice, but also the challenges um, mm -hmm. kind of bled into some population health work and really get energized and passionate to figure out what kind of tools and capabilities and resources um, can we provide our providers and our healthcare delivery system to to really treat whole person health and not just that clinical part, recognizing that's important, but really wrapping our, our arms around the whole member. I love it. the whole person. Mm -hmm. I love it, Caroline. No, it's, it's, uh, it's great. The perspective that you bring and, and your background and um, you know, the education and experience that you're bringing to this space. And it's a, it's a really fascinating time. It's an interesting time as we move towards value base. Um, and I'd love to hear a little bit on like, what has you captivated today in health? You know, so many different things from, you know, building that work, thinking through value base, the ROI of it, administration. There's there's so much going on. I'm sure you're touching all of these pieces across the continuum every single day. But what what has your fascination and your passion these days when it comes to health overall? It's a big question. But, uh, <laughs> a little big question. <laughs> yeah, no, but a lot. You know, it, we are doing a, a lot, and I guess what I don't want to do is a lot of everything and, right. and nothing, nothing. You know, real deep, and so. I'm really kind of, we are really lasered focused on, um, again, really understanding what we can do to not just walk 
walk or not just talk uh, whole person mm-hmm. health, but but really walk it. And we're doing a lot of study into social determinants of health or rather, uh, you know, social needs and what those are that really are affecting individuals' quality of life. And return on investment is important. And we are studying that and we're making progress and we've got some great numbers around that. But it's not everything. And return on health is something that I, I really get jazzed about and focused as well. And I use my parents a lot as an example. They're 81. My mom's got moderate Alzheimer's. Dad has CHF. Um, They're happy. They're good. But they we're not going to solve her Alzheimer's or his congestive heart failure in their lifetime, likely, Mm -hmm. right? So they have these clinical diagnoses, and I don't want the healthcare delivery system to see them just by their diagnosis. Right. Right. And so I want to kind of raise the attention on what's what's important to them is living a a happy, safe life. And that's healthy access to healthy food, low salt for him, uh, you know, transportation that's safe. And, um, you know, we have this bold goal at Humana that really started with improving the health of the communities we serve. And it's evolved into more of a business strategy where I'm challenging folks to be bold on developing the right type of delivery healthcare system for individuals like my parents. So I'll, I would say a bold move may be that my mother, for example, doesn't need every hospital in the network, maybe doesn't need certain traditional medical services covered, but she mm-hmm. does need safe transportation and maybe mm-hmm. some someone to come play the piano with her and someone to deliver her healthy food. And those are the mm-hmm. things that aren't focused on her clinical diagnosis, but are going to give her you know, a, a quality life. And then from a, a business perspective, I think that ties into waste, um, yeah. and that kind of motivates me too. We've the waste part doesn't, but the fact we can reduce—I think we have a role to reduce it. And right. while while we have a lot more leniency in covering some of these more non-traditional uh, services in our benefit plan, it's still supplemental. Mm. And if we really want to pull waste out of the system, I think um, I get really excited about thinking. Yeah. Thinking about turning that upside down a little bit and spending yeah. a little bit more on, you know, on the social part of our health, maybe a little less on clinical or maybe, you know, a little more efficiently and um, fundamentally changing the way we deliver healthcare. So mm-hmm. putting my pro- my provider network hat on that I did for many years, right? Maybe one day our, our provider networks won't be made up of just doctors and hospitals. They're important and we need them. But if we're really going to talk the importance of community-based organizations and um, other entities out there to meet our social needs, we need to treat them as providers. We need to build them into our network and um, fundamentally change the way we think about our healthcare delivery system. Mm, so, mm, amen. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it, Caroline. It's almost like you're rethinking it from the ground up or like from a modern perspective. You know, what is what is the the, the right modern way to do things? And, it, and you know, I, I know a lot of people also you probably face this, right? You hear the word waste and some people get a little fretful. But then there's also this, this extreme liberation by having a right size plan or something that is relevant for someone. Uh, and, and, and having that be tailored to someone and you start to realize you didn't need all this extra stuff. I'm thinking as you, as I'm speaking it out loud, I'm, I'm thinking about this like Marie Kondo concept, right? It's like, you know, get, get, make it, make it relevant for your daily life and don't, don't put, uh, you know, things that don't need to be in place for you. It doesn't, doesn't really help just because it's always been that way. doesn't mean like that's the, the right way. Um, I'd love to go a little bit deeper. Do you, do you have some more, you know, examples of, of this kind of like this new modern balanced way of thinking of, uh, you know, uh, you know, well-being oriented more so than just like pure clinical clinical, you know? 
Yeah. Well, you know, um, so I led our value-based payment strategies for a while. And I, mm-hmm. you know, if you think about how value-based is um, defined in those terms, it's all around payment. Mm-hmm. And I challenge us all to think about it more from the uh, consumer perspective and what's of value to that person isn't necessarily how we pay their physician or isn't necessarily how we design their benefit plan. It's that they are happy at their granddaughter's wedding, right? And understanding what is important to them and re-engineering and working backwards to meet their needs. And I think you hit the nail on the head that, you know, what it what was right for someone isn't maybe right for, for everyone else. And I, I think we've kind of addressed whether it's benefits or payment or network kind of for the masses and everyone's different. Um, you know, while my mom may need someone to come to the house and play the piano with her three times a week, that would not be the right solution for my father. And so un- understanding our populations at an individual level mm-hmm. is challenging and it takes time and it takes data. And so we are really laser focused on doing a lot of screenings. We did uh, around social determinants of health. So we being Humana did a thousand screenings in 17, over half a million screenings in 18 and over a million screenings this last year. And we're tripling that goal for next year with the intent of getting as much data and information on our members, our communities, our populations, so we can go as upstream as possible and meet them where they are. What do they need? Do they need services in their home? Do they need out of their home and and attending social event, right? What do they need beyond their diagnosis? And so it's easy to talk about, but it's harder to act upon until you really know what those needs are. And so uh, I think we are focused on doing those screenings, not just to say we're doing millions of screenings, but so we can get data and right. we can you know, start to, again, fundamentally change the way we kind of think about healthcare and maybe our payments aren't just adjusted based off of clinical documentation, but with this mm-hmm. data, social documentation. And so really uh, think about it as this, this puzzle and uh, so much of our industry's attention has been mm-hmm. on just part of the puzzle, which is this, in aggregate one of the smaller pieces. And it's time for us to uh, you know, really put more emphasis and weight into the data around our social needs, the resources, and what's important to the consumer to really um, focus on the rest of that puzzle that will undoubtedly impact health and, and outcomes for people at an, at an individual. And then I got to think if we're doing it in masses across individuals, we'll, we'll make a dent in certain populations and communities. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And, you know, you know, what's really fascinating. And so obviously, you know, there's these the new ICD codes like Z55 to, Z, to Z65. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you're asking people, though, and you want to align to that, that data and, and actually be able to capture it ultimately, but what I found also is sometimes it's really hard to just even ask someone or even a family member, do you, do you have any social needs or a friend, right? Someone that you're not, you're, you're concerned about, but you're not in contact with every day, you know, whether they have an employment need or a food insecurity need or, you know, a shelter based need. Um, how, how do you, how do you insert those questions without sounding awkward, you know, in the screening, yeah. you know, just coming around the back, like, do you have a job? Do you, do you, are you hungry? Uh, do, do you have a place to stay tonight? Um, that's very yeah. penetrating questions right off the bat, unless they're they're encased in in some sort of empathy. Um, are, are there are there nuances there to be had? You know. Yeah, it's a it's a great question. There's no doubt a lot of sensitivity around this, and so um, 
it's all the more reason why having a set of standardized questions is important. So we're all kind of talking about them the same way, mm-hmm. but you're absolutely right. Cause it's close as a relationship I have with my dad and as much as I teach, trust me. Mm-hmm. And as much as I know he's lonely because the woman he's been with for 60 years can't converse with him, it's really hard for me to say, dad, do you feel lonely? Now, mm-hmm. there are other less threatening people in his loop who could ask right. that question. And so right. it, sometimes it is the physician or the nurse or the care manager. Sometimes it's the pharmacist who's on the phone. Sometimes it's the care manager who's in the home. You know, and so we're, we, implement standardized screening questions across anyone, right? Mm -hmm. Recognizing healthcare happens outside of the physician's office most of days of the year. And so it's every um, kind of consumer facing person is armed with those questions. We actually did some pretty in-depth training, if you will, with some of our sales agents this past year, recognizing that they're oftentimes the first one across that kitchen table explaining what an HMO is to our member, and they're in the member's home, and they're seeing certain things. And so we armed them with some resources and questions and talking points and kind of ways to uh, broach those subjects if they felt appropriate to do so. There's no mandate. They don't have to. We're not telling providers or anyone that have to, but it's when you start to hear certain flags or, you know, a member who calls and and, uh, is talking to someone in our pharmacy team and the pharmacist recognizes, you know, they're they're struggling making their payment on their on their drugs because they're making a trade-off decision between that and food. Mm. And so there's delicate ways and tools and facts and all that that we give them to kind of broach those subjects and get that Mm. information. So it's like, like with all of this, there's not one solution. There's not one right. question. There's not one person. Right. It, it, the speed of change around this really happens at the speed of trust. Mm-hmm. And so our goal, and I think our impetus is really to um, empower as many people as we can to develop that trust. Mm, I love it. I love it. And, you know, and along those lines, I mean, I, I just really appreciate the, the mindset that you're bringing to this space too. And, and, you know, with that, with that sense of trust and, you know, obviously it's, 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 it's getting the right information to be able to put the right programs in place that, that fit and are relevant for a person. And, you know, and, and I appreciate your personal examples too, from a, from a family perspective, because that, 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 that's kind of like a true North, you know, if you can, if you ultimately design something that works for your family, you know, you're, you're designing something ultimately, um, hopefully that has that empathy and trust mm-hmm. built in at a greater scale. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Caroline, I, I would love to hear a little bit, uh, one of my well, second to last question is, um, the future, the future of health. What does it look like mm-hmm. the way you see it? I mean, obviously what you're doing is setting or setting ourselves up for, um, you know, probably a very promising future where we can impact a lot of lives and, and you guys are at the forefront and you're at the, the forefront of it. Um, what is, what does the future of health look like to you? Um, so another little big question, um, or what are some of the things that yeah. you'd like to see manifest in this space? Yeah, I, I touched on them a little bit. I'll, I'll expand. <laughs> so um, at the core of it is that we as an industry don't see health just as a clinical diagnosis and that we're more comfortable talking about because of the sensitivity that you raised, that we're more comfortable talking about our health as a bigger picture. Um, what, you know, what did we eat? Where do we come from? How do we get to the doctor's office? What's our home environment like when we get discharged from the hospital? You know, all those types of things we should, we should know. And we should, that should just be part of how we address our health care. Health care should be more representative of our life. And again, not just a diagnosis. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of what we do, we're doing a lot of pilots around loneliness and food insecurity and transportation and all of this. And at the end of the day, it's kind of for what, right? It's to Mm -hmm. prove 
that there is a return, whether it's on investment and or health on that. So we can ultimately provide more covered services. But again, it's not going to come just there's not money growing off the trees anywhere to do that. And so I think the future of healthcare, we, the biggest challenge I would put out to our industry is to reallocate the dollar. Mm. And maybe it's not in the masses. Maybe it's by subpopulation. So we look at health more by certain populations within communities, whether, and I don't know the answer to this, right? Is it um, certain demographics? Is it certain age groups? Is it certain chronic conditions? Because there are nuances within all of those. But can we start to more customize and personalize healthcare? I say that deliberately slow, because again, it's not just about the diagnosis, but a care plan for subpopulations that are more inclusive of their total life based off of the different factors that are going on. So they have access to uh, social services in their community right from the get-go, you know, not upon a a case manager going into home and recognizing the need, but the time of you know signing up for a plan, and we recognize not again just their clinical diagnosis, but everything going on in their life, and we arm them with all of the resources they need. So again, it's a, that more holistic picture from um, not just understanding mm. the needs, but but you know providing them. And so uh, you know, I have, I've got two little kids, and I like to say that one day they you know they look at me and say, "Mom, I can't believe food wasn't covered as medicine. I can't believe that." Uh, you know, the directory of providers didn't include, um, you know, some of these non-clinical types of services and that people mm-hmm. had to pay out of pocket for those and you had to go, you know, how, so kind of, it, it's future of healthcare is, it sounds simple, but it's really thinking about it differently. Yeah. You know, yeah. some people pride themselves that they're healthy because they never went to the doctor. Well, that's okay. But what else is going on in your life? You know, we, we right. isolate healthcare to just being about your, frankly, physical health. I think we're just scratching the surface on mental health. Right. So um, it's, it's a sim- simple answer to a big question. It has a lot of oh yeah, you know, tentacles to it. You know, I'd love to see social risk adjustment, um, you know, being made across the board that we can downstream to providers because I agree with most providers when they say they don't think it's their responsibility to treat some of this. They don't have the data and they don't have the resources. We haven't fundamentally changed the way they're reimbursed to mm-hmm. allow for that um, or how they're trained. And so another part of the future would be we're, we're tapping into this a little bit with some of our work with some universities around um, going upstream to educate the next workforce of clinicians around value-based and population health. So they're mm-hmm. going into their practice with that mindset and not learning it, um, you know, on the spot. So mm-hmm. it's I- our, our job now, I think to go as upstream as possible. So the future of healthcare is more inclusive of these types of topics, um, whether it's at the point of care or embedded within our communities and families. I love it. I love it. And and obviously, I, I know with a little big question like that, there's no definitive answer. But the the blessing and the part that has me excited is that you're bringing this mindset, right? And that's it's the mindset and the, the way of thinking that should allow us to solve, uh, you know, for the right formula to consider. You know, yeah, it's been a, a physical, you know, medical world up to this point. We're getting into mental. Eventually, I'm sure we're going to get more into spiritual and how it's all integrated. Um, mm-hmm. But programs need to be right-sized. That We need information. We need that empathy. We need to you know, be able to tailor these things. And, you know, the surrounding economics of those things could be rethought. And there's there's probably plentiful to go around. There's abundance there. You know, it just needs to be um, probably, you know, right-sized and matched appropriately. And, you know, that's where, you know, it, it, I think it all comes to a head. But uh, 
anyway, just thinking out loud with you, this is, you know, super fascinating to see what you're yeah. doing in this space. The, the professionalism, the, the expertise and the mindset that you're bringing to this space, Carolyn. And um, my very last question for you, because I want to be sensitive to your time, is uh, if, someone, if one of our listeners, if a few of our listeners or many of them would like to get in touch with you to say hi, you know, give you, a, yeah. you, know, you know, just, you know, a like or just, you know, just say hi and what's going on. What would be a good way to do so on social media or, or directly or through LinkedIn? Maybe if, uh, if you'd like any of that to happen. <laughs> Um, LinkedIn is probably my preferred uh, way. So yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and if anyone finds a, a, a Caroline who spells their first name like I do, I'll pay you a buck. So I'm easy to find. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. C- awesome. It, yeah. C-A-R-A-L-I-N-E. We can thank my, my mama for that. We don't yeah. know where it came from. Well, well, but, you got that yeah, uniqueness. Like yeah, that's there great. It's great to have that the, the uniqueness there. And it's always sensitive to, you know, pronounce your name right. But, uh, but no, no this yeah, is this is great what you're doing. You know, we need more people like you in the healthcare space. So obviously keep doing what you're doing. Love to have you back on the show as you see more programs in the space and more of your work manifest and keep growing and scaling. Very interesting okay. time and I'm I'm glad uh glad we had time to do this. This was this was yeah, very, of course. very rewarding. Yeah, well, thank, thanks for reaching out. It's you know, it's people like you getting a message out that's important. And uh, I'm talking and, and, and I'm the one who you, you reached out to, but this isn't me who's, who's doing all this. This is all the people I work with right. and our, our communities and um, we have healthcare advisory board. I mean, this, uh, this takes a village. It truly it takes, takes a village, village and just a, it's a fun space to be in. Um, hardest job I've ever had, but the most fun. So <laughs> pre- appreciate the opportunity. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Caroline, this was great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Sure. Thank you, Anthony. Appreciate Take care. It. Thank you. Okay. Uh huh.